0: Get out there. Join like masterminds. Hire a coach. Like if you're not surrounding yourselves with like the people that you want to be, like as cliche as it sounds, like you need to be because it helps you level up your game and it makes you think bigger. And then like, you know, you're working on bigger things and naturally things evolve. So I just think networking and, you know, investing in your network, paying for, you know, being a part of a mastermind or paying for a coach. Those are really great things to do.
1: What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Today our guest is Christina Knight from Acris Capital. Today we're talking about a few things. We talk about her story of going from a very busy professional to becoming a successful real estate investor. And some of those questions that one asks themselves in making that turn, whether I should be an active real estate investor, whether I should go back to the corporate world. She took a, a very cool sabbatical to do some international travel with her husband. Very awesome and has be- become a successful real estate investor. We talk about a few of the deals they've done and lessons learned along the way as well. So there is a lot, uh, a lot to be learned in this interview and you're going to pick up quite a If you're new to the show and you're not subscribed yet, take a second, go to your favorite answer app, Look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Give us a subscription and you will get every single new episode straight to your mobile device every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. If you're an Apple user and you do enjoy the show, I ask you take a quick second, to go to the Apple Podcasts app, throw us a rating and review, five stars if you don't mind if you do enjoy the show. I ask that because it helps other people learn about the show, for one. For two, I love reading all of your comments and positive things and everything that you're learning from the show helps so much and it helps me continue to produce this content and hear about what you would like to learn. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Lote, I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return, always excited to learn from those who have made a major change in their life, taken a leap, taken a risk, and who have made it work out and made it be successful. That's awesome. And that's what we're going to learn about today from Christina Knight from Acris Capital. Without any further ado, here we go. Christina, thank you for joining us today.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
1: Yeah, it's been great talking with you and uh, looking forward to the rest of our conversation here. You have a really interesting story and, and a lot of great experience. I think many of our listeners may be able to relate to Um, For those out there who don't know about your background, your business and so forth, can you give us an intro and tell us where you came from and how you got into real estate investing?
0: Sure. So I spent a little over a decade in investment management and fixed income as an analyst, trader, portfolio manager, you know, largely focused on housing investments, actually. So I kind of, you know, had looked at different housing investments Um, mortgage investments for my whole career. And then in 2014, I bought my first property. It was a condo. And I bought it with the idea that I was always planning on renting it out. And so eventually, as I left my job in finance, I took a year off to travel. And so I rented out that property that I bought and soon discovered that I was making, you know, close to $1,000 a month in passive income, which, you know, gave me a decent amount of money to travel in Asia at the time. And it was just kind of like, wow, like, why am I not doing more of this, you know, and so that's how this whole journey started. When I left my career in finance, I didn't exactly know what I was going to be doing or what I would come back to, you know, I didn't know if I was going to go back into the corporate world or start up my own thing. But you know, I kind of fell down the real estate rabbit hole and have been addicted ever since.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I, I think a lot of folks out there, particularly on the busy professional track, can re- relate to at least some of that that desire to mm-hmm. drop it, leave the corporate world, and shoot travel yeah. for a year if they can. I, how did you know that was the right thing to do for you? I mean, that's a, that's a big commitment. It's a big thing to yeah. do.
0: Yeah, I mean... It, And it was one of those things like I used to daydream about for years, right? Like I just didn't know that it was going to be a possibility. And then, you know, I've always been a big saver. And so for me, I graduated with quite a bit in student loans. And so once those were paid off and I had the ability to like save a pretty good amount of money, like on my honeymoon, my husband and I started talking and we were talking about how you know, we weren't really feeling fulfilled in our careers and we, you know, we were living in the East Coast at the time in Boston and um, we weren't really happy with living in Boston. And so we kind of talked about moving out West and if we were going to do that, maybe taking a break to travel and figure out like where we wanted to, what we wanted to do next with our careers and jobs. And so that was kind of the impetus. I didn't exactly know like what journey I was going to be taken on. I just knew like, I was so unhappy in doing what I was doing. And, you know, in finance, there's, I have a lot of friends and like, you know, colleagues who also kind of felt the same way. Like it wasn't very fulfilling. Like I was making a lot of money for other people. And, you know, I just wanted more. I was also really worried about like getting older and potentially like getting laid off. I had seen tons of people kind of like hit the peak of their career and then they were making too much money. So they got laid off and And I wanted to be in control of my own destiny. And to be quite honest, I mean, I spent right before I um, left my job, I spent a year in this program called a team management and leadership training program. And in that program, you basically get trained for a year on how to build teams, how to, you know, manage like a ton of different projects. Like I had launched a nonprofit in Boston and, you know, was raising money for women's charities. And so that program kind of taught me more about entrepreneurship. It taught me how about like creating your own life and like taking, you know, responsibility for your own life and how it was going. And you know, that you can take risks and you can, you know, change things up. And while it might be scary, (laughs) maybe (laughs) even terrifying, you know, you could always go back to that career if things didn't work out.
1: You know, that's a, I guess it's, you know, it's that turning theory into practice though. You know, you can always go back, but it's going to be, You, if you decide to go back, there's going to be at least some heartache along the way in terms of, you know, getting that first job back and convincing people that you're not just going to go take that next, you know, one year sabbatical, you know, right away. And there must have been, you know, there was a, when you came back, I figure, you know, you, you have two tracks in front of you, right. Go full real, real estate investing full time. Versus Mm -hmm. go back to that high paid career, keep Mm -hmm. your expenses low and just invest as much as you can kind of go the, the, the fire track. That's a tough call. Like, why did you end up going down the entrepreneurship route? I mean, is that in your blood? Was it getting comfortable with that idea? I don't know.
0: Yeah, great question. So I, after having traveled for a year and like being on my own schedule and, you know, doing my own thing and being able to kind of step back from the corporate world. There is no way I could have ever gone back to working in an office, to be quite (laughs) honest with you. Like it just wasn't even an option. Like I, I used to have like nightmares about having to go back into an office environment. And I was just like, there is no amount of money in the world. Um, that's worth it to me to like have that level of like stress and anxiety about having to go back into like the corporate style. So, you know, I was fine with like making a lot less money and, you know, taking a big risk and like getting this started. But yeah, I mean, it's not for everyone. Like I just, for me, like it was just, I couldn't, I was so unhappy and there were so many like terrible feelings about like potentially going Back to the corporate world, like that was like a strong enough why for me to do whatever it was in my power to not have to go that, that route.
1: Yeah, nice. I mean, I I agree with you about the, the the crappiness of the office. You know, for for the video viewers out there, my cat keeps walking across my desk, and <laughs> that's part of the joy of you know I've been working from home for for years, and uh, <laughs> part of the joy of, of having a home office compared to working in the corporate world. Mm. But yeah, no, I, I, I very much uh, relate to that. So let's get into that first, you know, active deal that you did. You come back, you're, okay, we're going to go, we're going to be real estate investors. But yeah, okay. If it's, it's hard to say qualify for bank financing,
0: mm-hmm. if you
1: don't have, you know, proven, a, a proven source of income, so on and so forth. So how did you, you know, work with what you had and how were you? How did you be creative and and make that first deal when you came back happen?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, when we got back, my husband is one of my business partners. And there was also, I have another business partner who also actually used to work with me at the investment management firm I worked at. She um, joined forces with me and um, she also owned real estate. And so we figured, you know, why not get into this and start a real estate investment company? Um, So none of us actually had a W-2. We had all left our jobs and all pursuing this. So definitely not recommended. Like definitely that is not the easy way to do it when you're starting out. I will say, I feel really lucky that we had an advantage, like having worked in finance and having the background that I did in real estate and housing and mortgage investments and, you know, being very familiar with the vernacular used with banks and lending and structuring deals and all of that, I was able to find banks that were willing to work with us and believe in our backgrounds and our experience and our stories and lend to us. So, and, you know, it took talking to a number of different banks and like sharing with them, you know, our, we had a full blown business plan. We had, you know, what we were looking to do, like talking to them about the birth strategy and, you know, how we were going to grow doing that. and so. You know, I think just being able to have a really strong plan and message, you know, have a really well thought out business plan, have our backgrounds, you know, we presented everything, you know, in a really great package for them that was easy to read. So I think those things definitely helped and worked in our favor. So
1: interesting. So you didn't need another partner or someone else that could come with, as like a, a balance sheet partner or something yeah. that can help you sign on the loan. No. Wow. wow. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, it's definitely like a rare story, right? You don't hear of that happening very often. But, like I said, I think because, you know, I have a CFA, I have a really strong background in investing, like the banks were able to look past that and, you know, get what we were trying to do and understand. I mean, we also had a pretty strong balance sheet with like liquidity and, you know, things to kind of back us up. So
1: nice. Well, you know, it it might not be common, but the point, you know, the point of the question, the point of the answer, right, is that it's possible, right? There's Mm -hmm. always, there's always, you know, people say, oh, it's not possible. It can't be done. Well, obviously, you know, it can be done. You just have to check other boxes and take other steps. Yeah.
0: Another interesting thing is I was also able to, you know, get a unsecured line of credit for our business as well. When we had just started it and not have, you know, we had no track record. We hadn't done any deals yet, all based on our background and experience and story. So, I mean, if you find the right partners who believe in you and want to support you, like really anything is possible.
1: Nice. Nice. So, Tell us about that first deal, like the specifics of the first deal that you did when yeah. you came back and, and what it had to look like for it to make sense for, you know, three investors without W-2s and, you know, without mm-hmm.
0: other
1: major sources of income, like what did you do?
0: Yeah. So we, you know, we actually bought a property from a wholesaler. It was a fourplex and a single family home that were on two separate parcels of land. Um, And they had always been attached and sold as kind of one property together. However, you know, my background's in structuring. So I started thinking like, well, why does that have to be the case? Like, this is a really great property. It's in a um, super desirable location, like the hottest, trendiest upcoming neighborhood in town. Like, you know, why don't we like fix and flip the single family house and then that will pay f- essentially for the fourplex and we'd be able to refi that and pull all our money out and like, you know, then some and own a fourplex like free of charge and, you know, do it again. So that was kind of the, the goal going in for our first deal and like why it made sense and also kind of had like, <laughs> it was like, you could pick one deal to get like a crazy amount of experience it had a little bit of everything, right? So, um, maybe not like the easiest deal for people to start with. I also had seller financing. We were able to seller finance that for our first deal. So, that also gave us some um, ability to get like start getting a track record and then go to a bank and like be like, look, this is what we did. We were able to execute on our business plan. So, here's why you should lend to us. So, that really helped as well. Nice. Yeah
1: what were a few of those things that made it, you know, a, a good learning experience for your for a first deal?
0: Oh, gosh, I mean, so many things. So first of all, we had to separate the um, the natural gas lines, which was an insane excavation project dealing with the city that we were in. And you know it was a good learning lesson in having the right contractor and team because you know when they were the, they were excavating like the city hadn't properly labeled like the natural gas pipes and where they were and you know there was a little bit of an explosion and then oh, the city no. tried to sue sue our contractor oh, but it was really the city's fault so You know, that's just one example in terms of like fix and flipping and like really, you know, knowing your budget and learning how to estimate costs and building in contingencies and reserves for when things go wrong. You know, that was a big lesson learning how to, you know, essentially run a business plan on the fourplex, like the fourplex that we bought, you know, was in pretty rough shape and all the units needed to be renovated. But, you know, we were able to increase you know, rents on those units from like $400 a month to like eight $900 a month. So there was a huge return built in there, you know, how to work with a property manager, how to fire a property manager, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, how to, you know, deal with seller financing and structuring a seller financing contract and you know, and what does that look like, you know, how to go to a bank and refi something. So it was just like a lot of learning lessons there all in one.
1: Hmm, interesting. I suppose the the million dollar question or the, the question that, you know, really sticks in my mind is with all of these lessons learned or things that, you know, didn't go as expected, you know, mm-hmm. speed bumps and so forth. How was it that you still made money on the deal? I mean, what was the, the saving grace?
0: So I will say like I did a ton of due diligence in terms of knowing what we could get for market rents, working with different contractors, getting bids on the fix and flip ahead of time, looking at comps in the neighborhood, seeing what we could sell it for. So, you know, while there were a lot of lessons learned, I will say we beat our expectations for the amount of money that we were going to make on the deal and like, you know, hit kind of our stretch goal. So overall, you know, the project was super successful and like we, you know, I mean, it really couldn't have gone um, better than it did. You know, we hit our rent targets and then more some, you know, we were able to refi it for what we wanted. We were able to sell it for even more than we expected. So it was a very profitable project. I think we ended up returning almost 400% on it, on our money that we invested.
1: Awesome. Now, yeah. I'm certainly not an expert on Boston in any sense, but neither 400 nor $800 per month strike me as Boston <laughs> area rents. So was this property uh, outside of Boston? Was it somewhere else? Did you buy it from a distance?
0: Yeah. So I live in Boulder right now, ah. Boulder, Colorado. And then, but my other business partner lives in Boston and the property was in Washington state. So it was in a, sm- a small town in Washington and you know, rents were still pretty affordable. Property was pretty affordable. And yeah, we did long distance real estate investing. Hmm.
1: So how did you, you know, this is a big question, right? But <laughs> buying real estate anywhere, especially from a distance, you know, team building is mm-hmm. a big question. You mentioned you learned how to work with property managers and then subsequently how to fire property managers. But- yeah. It's not just them, right? There's contractors and yeah, yeah. all those kinds brokers, of brokers,
0: insurance and lawyers. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: so we did spend a lot of time in the market. So we did a couple due diligence trips, you know, we interviewed tons of contractors, tons of property managers when we were there on site. We drove streets and neighborhoods and took videos and, you know, got a map and like mapped out all the sections of where we wanted to be and, you know, what looked attractive. So yeah, I don't think you can While you can build a team, you know, on Zoom, like I would highly recommend if you are going to invest in a market where you don't live, you have to be there and you have to um, do your on the ground due diligence and like, you know, interview everyone, talk to everyone. You know, we met with all the brokers in town, wholesalers in town. So just kind of built the team that way.
1: Nice. Now, if you would walk us forward, you know, in time to where you are now and the types yeah. of deals you're doing now.
0: Yeah. So um, now we're doing mostly like you know larger deals. We learned very quickly that you know that four unit t- took just as much work as it does for like a hundred unit that we're partnered <laughs> on. <Yeah. laughs> maybe, maybe sometimes even more. Um, because you know, the bit larger you get, the more serious your property manager gets, the more, you know, they have like their own contracting teams in house and renovation teams in house and all of that stuff. So, um, we're focused on, you know, right now, 50 units and up, and we're really looking at, we're we've moved kind of markets. We're focused on the Phoenix area and South Carolina, um, and, you know, looking to take down larger deals there. So We are actively underwriting a bunch of projects right now, and hopefully we'll have some stuff under contract in the next couple of months that we're pretty excited about.
1: Awesome. Are you taking them down on your own? Are you syndicating to get the capital? How about all the structuring? Yeah,
0: um, it's a combination. Some we take down for ourselves if we can. Others, we syndicate and bring in investors. And, you know, others, we work with just a couple high net worth investors and kind of try to tailor those to more of like a group needs and keep it kind of a small niche group projects.
1: Nice. Nice. Yeah. Pretty cool. Great to see yeah. the evolution. Yeah. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Okay. All righty. All right, Christina, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Okay, great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education?
0: Your network. (laughs) And I mean, like, get out there, join like masterminds, hire a coach. Like if you're not surrounding yourselves with like the people that you wanna be, like as cliche as it sounds, like you need to be because it helps you level up your game and it makes you think bigger. And then like, you know, you're working on bigger things and naturally things evolve, so just think networking and, you know, investing in your network, paying for, you know, being a part of a mastermind or paying for a coach. Those are really great things to do.
1: Nice. Nice. We had the best investment. Now I go to the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made?
0: Oh gosh. I think just like being in the stock market <laughs> or, maybe, <laughs> or maybe like, you know, it's just so insane to me. Like having been out of, you know, the stock market, I'm like, largely invested in real estate now. Like. Just been able to like grow my wealth and net worth so much faster. It's like you know, kind of been a little bit exponential, and it's still a little bit shocking to me, like how you know this money kind of sat in the stock market for a long time and like returned some, but you know, then the next year goes back down and it goes back up. So yeah,
1: yeah, totally. It's uh, it's the casino. Mm-hmm. You know, best way to think about it. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing?
0: Yeah, I think the most important lesson in business is small, persistent actions lead to big results, right? So it's the small actions that you take on a daily basis and just keep doing and keep going after it. And eventually it leads to like big things happening. The most important investing lesson, I think, is trust your gut, right? If you get a bad feeling about it or something doesn't seem right, like it's probably just best to like walk away, like don't get too attached to the investment. Nice.
1: Nice. Like both of those. Well, thank you for joining us today, bringing us all these lessons. So great. Uh, Everything you've accomplished. Sounds like there's a a lot down the road for you too, which is very exciting. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to find you either personally or on the internet, where can they track you down?
0: Yeah, they can go to our website. It's akras, A-K-R-A-S, capital.com. Or they can email me. My email is knight, K-N-I-G-H-T, at Capital.com.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. Yeah, to everybody thanks. out there, happy to have you. To everybody out there, thank yeah. you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated and helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.